In the 1960s, two friends stir up trouble at an all-girls Catholic boarding school. As they come of age, they realize they have more in common with the nuns than they would like to think. Kay, have you seen The Trouble with Angels? Have not. I've actually never even heard of that movie. Me neither. That's because it's a guest pick. Hello, and welcome to Kay, Have You Seen? I'm Kari. I'm Kyle. And today we have a very special guest. Introduce yourself, very special guest. Hello, my name is Kelly. I'm their friend. Yes, we have Kelly Quindlin in studio with us, the novelist, the <laughs> screenwriter, the, the legend, here to talk about one of her favorite movies that neither Kyle nor I have seen, The Trouble with Angels, a 1966 classic, question mark? Classic? I, I would almost say I'm surprised that it's not widely considered a classic. Thank you. Because, I will be honest, I had never even heard of this movie before you recommended it. I had no inkling of what it was or anything. Uh-huh. Same. Uh, nothing, no, nothing at all. Although, I I realized after figuring, after finding out that it was a Halo Mills movie, there was a better than even chance that I had watched this movie from the library in like 1995. Oh, Really? Well, I feel like they, I mean, it was the Disney Haley Mills collection that somebody had No, but, but donated, this was but... her first non-Disney. Exactly, film. yeah. Okay. Um, and the one that I think she's best in. I just okay. think, I just love her in this movie. I agree. And I feel like we'll talk about all of that yeah. at length. I will say I recognized a surprising number of actors in this movie <laughs> for how, you know, how old it is. Yeah. So there was a couple, specifically some of the nuns. I was like, oh my God, I know her. I know mm-hmm. her. Kari, since we're on kind of even footing here, I mean, would you kind of like to give us a, a brief summary of the plot just from your, you know, from your own perspective, if, you know, off the cuff? Sure. So um, we follow two girls. Uh, we open with them uh, entering into this boarding school, St. Francis, mm-hmm. correct? Um which I where is it? Is it supposed to be like New England somewhere? Yeah. Oh gosh, I looked this up back in the summer, and it's somewhere in like the Mid Atlantic or, or New okay. England. Yeah, right. Pennsylvania so, near Philadelphia. I think I so. Yeah. yeah, maybe I know they shot it somewhere near Philadelphia, but yeah, some New Englandish boarding school um, convent where they are about to start school. I would assume they're like maybe fifteen. You yeah, know? pretty young, um, high schoolish, and they are two main characters. Rachel and Mary Mary become friends really quickly and we follow them as they're kind of troublemakers through about three years of school and we follow their kind of getting older, different things happening in their lives. Nothing really major. I feel like we can get into this later, but we don't it's, see... It's one of those slow builds. Yeah, and we don't yeah. see a lot of the kind of tropey moments from like a coming of age story, but um, we basically just follow them as they're kind of causing trouble in the school, but then also getting to know the nuns and some of their classmates and all that stuff um, all the way through when they graduate and kind of enter into their real lives. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. And it, yeah, it sort of comes Basic. to an abrupt stop at that point as well. You know, right, it, it, we don't see it, much this, past that. It, like the structure is very tight in the time frame, only in, in the sense that it starts with um, these girls meeting for the first time on their way to this school and it ends with them seeing each other for the last time before leaving the school. Right. So it's got a very distinct and hard beginning and end point. And setting. It's a very insular yes. setting. I mean, there's, right. um, you know, 
they allude to Mary being in France for the summer mm-hmm. and, and stuff like that, but it, the, all of that takes place off camera. Yep. So it's mm-hmm. which I liked. I think it, it makes yeah. it a very intimate, safe home kind of setting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you're it's very focused too. Like we don't care too much about some of the stuff. We we do we care about some of the outside influences on the girls just in as much as they kind of shape them, but not really it's about the school. It's yeah. about the school, it's about the girls, it's about the nuns. We don't care too much about their families or their, you know, outside experiences. Or or even romance. That's not even a thing either. That's what mm-hmm. I was going to say. The, yeah. I feel like some of the tropes that we would have seen in another coming-of-age movie like this would have been, like, you know, something with boyfriends, something with sex, mm-hmm. something yeah. with, like, you know, the families, the fathers. We see a little tiny bit of the father figures, but even mm-hmm. that's, like, mm-hmm. lost over. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there is very little... Um, I, I would say that, like, you know, roughly... 10 to 15 percent of this movie even involves people who are not at the school full-time mm-hmm. i wouldn't I mean? even go that high yeah it's very right. limited yeah we yeah. only care about people in the moments that they are actually present mm-hmm. at the school so there's like that other school headmaster i guess uh-huh. the kind of and the dance teacher that scene. comes in right even the family members mm-hmm. we yeah. only care about the family members who actually appear at the school and it, that's for like one scene it's yeah. funny because like even in the opening credits all the people who are not directly related to the school are listed under a single page that just says the outsiders oh, which yeah. i right. thought was interesting yeah it made me think that something different was going to happen that yeah. like somehow they were going to like enter in as mm-hmm. outsiders like infiltrate really, <laughs> yeah like like that there would be you know those people who kind of come in but it really they just passed through yeah um i mean kelly uh, what what is your background on this movie like what you know may, i i may have seen this movie at some point in the distant past and just like didn't latch onto it for whatever reason but what is your background on this movie and why did you want to bring it to the table i was trying to remember that the first time i saw it and i i don't even know how i arrived at this movie mm-hmm I do remember watching it in college at least once. I had it on DVD by that point. And I remember my senior year of college slipping it into the DVD player and watching it and but I'd seen it before at that point. But like by that point it was already a comfort movie for me. Okay. Uh and that's sort of how I think about it. It is a classic in my mind and it's just such a such a safe place to go to, I think. Mm-hmm. You know, it's one of those movies you watch when you're feeling down or when you're sick or when you just want to feel like you're part of something. I mm-hmm. think there's really an element of being home to it. And I grew up Catholic. And so a lot of that with the nuns and, and all the religion stuff really resonated with me. And I chose it for you guys. Well, A, because first we had talked about Lady Bird, mm-hmm. whether we should do that because I had seen it and neither one of you had. But I'd also been thinking about the trouble with angels and I think it's a sort of predecessor to Lady Bird anyway. And we can we can get sure. back to that. But I think that, you know, the time period, 1966, female writer, female director, yes. mm-hmm. female leads. Mm-hmm. In, Almost in, including as female cast. Uh-huh. Mother Superior, Mary, and Rachel, the three largest characters. You know, it's how, how many, like, largely female-driven films are there from I mean, that time period? Yeah. I mean, you think even... about who is the, who's the first leading man in this like who is the next i don't even know who you would say for that the, the right. first male in the movie is the bus driver who i don't think gets any lines he's just very no. bumbling and very yeah. uh, very funny he's there for comedic effects. and then and then after that it's like mr petrie's first appearance yeah. which you know whatever but that, yeah there's very little like there is it seems like a movie that existed with like very little male interaction 
at all. Mm-hmm. Um, As which, it which, should be. Which, hey, look, <laughs> it was, you, you mentioned unique for 1966, clearly unique for 2018 as yeah, well, yeah, you know, in mainstream film anyway. Um, but yeah, before we, we, I mean, we've got a lot to talk about as far as mm-hmm. that goes, but like, uh, Kari, what, tell us a little bit about your first impressions of watching this. I mean, we both watched this for the yes, first time. Yes, I want to know, did you love it? Because you and I, I have, like, the same sensibility. Did yeah, you love Kelly it? Yeah, and I are very similar. And I actually have more questions about your experience with it as well before we move on. But yep. I did really like it. I love, as we talked about with, like, Goodfellas and stuff, I love that slice of life. Like, maybe nothing happens that's, you know, monumental in Hollywood, but you do really just see reality you see how you know real life can be and i like that about i loved how they portrayed the female friendship i thought that was yeah. very subtle and very true like that is and there's power dynamics but they yeah. love each other yeah and there's you know the antagonism too between characters but it's never it's not an all-out war it's mm-hmm. you know kind of a difference of perspective seeing that how how different characters come around to each other are it's really nice it's just like a really it it was I really enjoyed watching it just because I didn't totally know where it was gonna go and it it kind of just you know it didn't have a very set end point necessarily it was just you you just kind of watched these people be and I I like that did you have a favorite scene um (laughs) I mean this may not be it but one scene that like sticks out to me is the um, bubbles in the tea I <laughs> yeah. love that it was so Willy Wonka and just like they add bubble bath to the nun's tea and it turns into this huge like bubbles flying everywhere like <laughs> not at all how bubble bath in tea would actually that, be but so, two <laughs> so quick, cute two quick thoughts on that one that was definitely like the silliest scene in an yeah. otherwise very like kind of like, you know kind life. of very yeah. like un- unexaggerated storyline yeah to the original Tide Pod challenge, am I right? Like yeah. bubble bath in bubble yeah. bath in hot tea, right? But the, uh, I think pods, the humor in this mm-hmm. movie—I love the humor mm-hmm. in this movie. I mean, one—I think one of the very first things that's really funny is mm-hmm. when the the phys ed teacher nun picks them up on the I bus to take them <laughs> to the convent, yep. mm-hmm. and they pull up on the bus, and she says, "All right, girls, there it is. Get your first look, or whatever." And Rachel and Mary look out the front window of the bus at this castle-like mm-hmm. fortress mm-hmm. of a convent. And Mary says, it's positively medieval. Mm-hmm. And Rachel says, all that's missing is the dragon. And then there's that quick cut. Smash cut. To mm-hmm. the very first view of Mother Superior with her habit yeah. sticking up. And she looks like a fucking dragon. Can yeah. I say that word on this? You yeah, can, you can, oh, you can swear. She you can swear all you want. Like, my, da- yeah. my dad will complain, but yeah, it's fine. we'll get some letters from our angry parents. And I'll but... tell my mom to <laughs> listen. She, but she looks like a dragon, and it's that sort of humor yes, throughout the entire yeah. movie. Uh, yeah, totally true. Um, um, I did want to ask you. Sorry, Kyle, we yeah. will get to your impression sure. as well. But or so maybe we won't because this is a woman. Should I turn I can unplug my mic. I can, un- I can unplug my microphone. You can just nod supportively throughout this whole thing. If you could just be all the we Mr. Petrie, you. you can come in about five percent of the film. Yep. That's. Let me take a zip. Um, so, is this a movie you watch by yourself with family with a significant other? Like. Oh, is this a, that's how, a good question. This yeah. is why I love you. Uh, no, I, I usually know. watch it alone. Oh, Kyle, you're still here. No, what? <laughs> I usually watch it by myself. Yeah, yeah. okay. I, I had never really thought about that, but it's 
You ever feel so protective of a movie that you almost don't want to watch it with anyone else? Yeah, yeah totally. Because it, it's like, oh, it's yours. I had that fear with you guys tonight. I was like, oh, oh my God, oh. what if I show up and they hate it? Wow, and, yeah. You know, they'll, no, I totally know that. They will spoil my precious thing. Yeah. Um, I told Mel she needs to see it, but um, yeah, no, usually I watch it by myself. Mm-hmm. The last time I watched it was in July when yeah, I had just mentioned. moved. I had just moved into a new apartment and I was trying to like feel like at home in the mm-hmm. new apartment and mm-hmm. I put it on TV and it just helped me kind of feel settled. And then, sure. I, and then I told Kari when she picked me up tonight, I put it on the TV as soon as I got home from work tonight. When oh, I was okay. making dinner, I was like, oh, I haven't seen this movie in seven months, even though I've seen <laughs> it like, you know, several times. Mm-hmm. So I put it on in the background and... I, it's just one of those comforting movies. You can gotcha. have it on in the background all the time, right? This is like a home movie. Like, this is, yeah, a yeah. comfort movie. But. Yeah. So, Kyle, what was your first impression? I thought this movie was unexpectedly delightful. Like, yes. it is... It, I'm going to put that on the box. Delightful is a great word for Deli- it. It really yeah. is. Like, unexpectedly delightful. Yeah, I, like I, I say unexpectedly not because I was expecting it to be bad or unenjoyable, but because I just had no frame of reference, which for me is not a common sensation. Like, Kyle knows a lot about I movies. Out, I don't know if you've heard out of Out A-Baird, Kyle A-Baird. I, yes. ra- like, I rarely watch movies without doing a bunch of research about them ahead of time, which... Uh, not necessarily a great habit, but like I went into this movie as cold as you could possibly go, knowing literally only the title, and then started playing. I was like, oh... This movie's from 1966. Oh, Haley Mills is in this movie. Rosalind Russell's in this movie? And, uh, you know, and then it just, like, I, I still didn't know exactly what to expect, but I was, I found myself just enjoying it thoroughly from start to finish. There are really, there's really no slack in this movie. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, like yes, it, it's it, very tight. It's very, very tight. Like, it covers, partly because it covers three years in a less than two-hour movie or around two-hour movie, um, so a lot happens, but it moves so quick. And it's funny, like that, Kari, that you mentioned Goodfellas already, because I did feel like, in a very weird way, structurally, this felt very similar. Um, I, I know that Goodfellas didn't invent the fast-paced um, slice of life movie, but this one, you know, just was another of that structure, and mm-hmm. I, I thought that it really fit. I thought it was really fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and even though I personally watch a lot of old movies mm-hmm. it's still surprising to me when i can find a movie that is 50 plus years old that feels so modern mm-hmm. in the way it like timeless in the way that the movie itself plays out yeah um and i really appreciated that and um yeah i i, I thought it was really really great and i was also uh, probably put into a good place from the very beginning when i saw that ida lupino was the director who i'm sure we will get into here shortly um, because I've been a fan of her work as both a director and an actress for a while. Like, she's one of the more interesting figures in that period of Hollywood. So that's a, a Lady Bird connection as well, right? Because Greta Gerwig was an actress, mm-hmm. to, or yeah. is an actress yeah. and a director, so there's that as well. So what was the first moment of the film where you, you ha- where it hooked you or where you said, oh, I'm going to like this? Mm-hmm. Honestly, the opening credits... Because oh, the, the, an, the yeah. animation was so great, it kind of reminded me of uh, Catch Me If You Can, where it's done with like the, yeah. the you know the stamps. Yeah. I don't remember last time. I don't know the last time you guys saw that movie, but like the opening animation it. is really really good. Mm-hmm. Um, Didn't but, they do the original Parent Trap with that same animation? I think so. Possibly. I think they did. It's in, been 
probably 22 years since I've seen The Parent yeah, Trap. Another so. Haley Mills movie. Yes, yeah. yes. Um, it's funny in the IMDb where it does like similar movies or whatever, a lot of them have that animation style on the cover. Like there mm-hmm. was, you know, the tile of like six movies, I think, yeah. on the IMDb page. Yeah. It's it's all like in that same animation. And I was like, wow, I, I didn't... Once When I saw it in the movie, I was like, oh yeah, I've definitely seen this before. But I didn't realize how prevalent it was until mm-hmm. I was like, oh, every movie from this era had yeah. some little bit of that. But yeah, the opening, I like it. the opening animation with the theme music, which the theme music, like the music and score to this... is great. It's terrific. Like, yeah. I'm going to be honest, like seriously... I have been actually listening to a YouTube video of the full soundtrack while oh, I'm working no, at heart. work oh, at work this week. That Seriously. It's all like Cute. very like I, yeah, plucky is not the word because you don't pluck an organ, but like very yeah. like. Burp, 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 burp. Well, yeah, it sounds yeah. like a church organ, but played like goofily. But yeah. So thematic. And then there's always perfect. the random crack of thunder. Yeah. 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 It, it's, it's like this is very that element of God. It's this yes. yeah. It's this very like 1960s like poppy teenage movie score, but also with those weird intrusions of like. Odd, oddly nerve-shattering, like, Bernard Herrmann-type music with, like, the thunderclaps. And uh, the composer for this movie, um, Jerry Goldsmith, was one of the super prolific for, like, 60 years in Hollywood. Um, he was also the guy who did the soundtrack for The Burbs, one of our early oh. KHBC movies. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, and I, I wrote this in my notes that I feel like watching the entire movie, Jerry Goldsmith is probably the man with the most significant role throughout the entire movie oh in cast or crew. Right. Wow. Because that soundtrack is very noticeable and very, very, very good. Um, and in that sense, I feel like he is the only man with any major significant yeah. role Unless in the, the DP was, uh, was a guy. That's I mean, true. Yeah. Yeah. Good point. One of my favorite things about this movie is the world building. Mm. And I wondered what you guys thought of that. Um, I, what specifically, like, what about it did you? So I just, I gush over how well and economically they established the whole world of St. Francis. Mm-hmm. So it's not just Rachel and Mary that become mm-hmm. endearing, but it's Marvel Ann, the annoying <laughs> cousin, and it's Charlotte, the girl who's always fainting, uh-huh. and the old nun who's always asleep, you know? And I yeah. just, I feel mm-hmm. like they take these characters and they, they really put you in Rachel and Mary's world. Yeah. So it's not just two girls versus a mother superior, mm-hmm. the nun the whole time. It's yeah. it's really this lush, funny, idiosyncratic, mm-hmm. very specific world. Yeah. Where kind of like Hogwarts or, you know, yeah. anything like any school where there's all these quirks and mm-hmm. and specific these um types. These yeah. specific characters. I think economical is a really great way to put it because yes. I think something like this, it's so easy to get into, like, diving into, like, oh, you meet this person, you meet this person. And there is a scene where she goes through and introduces basically all of the major players as far as the nuns are concerned. Yes. But (laughs) she goes up to the one nun and she's like, sister such and such art. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Because she's like, "Eh." and all of the nuns have their own quirky little things. She's like, that's enough. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it is, it's done so succinctly and so quickly and then you're expected to retain it for the entire movie and it's easy to like everyone has just enough that you remember who they are you remember that charlotte is the fainter because every scene charlotte is in she is right. to faint <laughs> but it's still done effectively it's not like oh okay we need to learn this person's story we need to learn that person's story this is whoever like you meet them you get a quick little like this is who this person is going to be to you and then you stick with that for the whole movie. And I thought that was, it is really effective. And it, it's 
you know, like we are talking about with the setting, you never leave it. It's easy because it's like a closed room. You've got these characters and we really don't introduce anyone super major new into the entire movie. Right. And just like small touches uh, that were dropped in very skillfully did a, went a long way to really establish kind of the details of the world as you're describing. Um, one that really stuck out in my mind was um, the part, I can't remember who she was talking to, but Rosalind Russell, the mother superior, when she was talking to somebody about, um, you know, this estate looks palatial, mm-hmm. but the fact is it was donated to us and it's in very poor condition. Like the She's, boiler and all that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And so, to like, the liberal arts guy, because yeah. he was going to give her what for about the band right, competition. Exactly. But she's like, uh, we're a poor um, Catholic school. And he's like, fine, okay, yeah. fine. <laughs> Which, I, when, when she said that, I was like, yeah, that actually makes sense. Because up to that point, I've been thinking, like, boy, this place definitely seems opulent just from like the appearance. like the Wizard of Oz. Like, yeah. the floors are so, like, Dr- shiny. Like, draconian at the same oh, time. Oh, absolutely. Oh, for yeah. sure. Um, and, yes, the world building, and by extension, kind of, like, the, um, the very lean but effective characterization that you were talking about. Yeah. Um, where, you know, a lot of times, I feel like this is something that happened a lot in movies, uh, particularly in the 60s. Like, I'm thinking of, like, The Dirty Dozen, where you've got a cast, a, a fairly large cast of people who are ostensibly main characters, where you're like, oh, you've got this guy, and you got this guy, and this guy, and you get really a lot of, you get a lot of detail in, like, four or five people, and, like, the other eight, you're just like, and these other people, whatever. Stop Don't worry about that. Yeah, yeah. Whereas with this, like I, early in my notes, I, I wrote like, I hope we get a lot of characterization about these nuns after getting them all introduced. <laughs> yeah. And we kind of do. Like yeah. we get like each of the nuns introduced in like the first night dinner scene gets at least one character defining scene. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really appreciated that. Um, I, yeah. I think it was effective too when we're meeting all those nuns and when we're meeting a lot of the characters we get an immediate reaction from the two main girls. Yes. And that's basically how we're supposed to feel about them. <laughs> so right everything the is teacher. filtered through their perspective. Exactly. Yeah. So we know it's shorthand for like, okay, the math teacher, we know we're supposed to love her. She's wonderful and we're the girls like her, so we like her. And, mm-hmm. you know, there's the super old nun with the dog and, you know, they are kind of like, okay, she's a little out of touch or whatever. We we know how to feel about each character because the, the main characters that we already identify with react to them immediately when yes. you meet them. And, yeah, and it, I thought it was really great. And I, something for some reason, I didn't really put it together this way until right now, but the way that you get to see the community of the students and the community of the nuns kind of side by side, you don't get as much with, like, the community among the nuns as kind of, like, you know, two separated but very similar um, uh, just collectives of people that have their own kind of... Um, you know, relationships with each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's supposed to be division between them. Right. Yeah. But one of the cutest scenes, I think, is when the first school year ends mm-hmm. and the girls go off for the summer and they do that very, very quick time lapse and then it becomes clear that it's September again yeah. and the mm-hmm. girls are coming back and you can see all the nuns are giddy with excitement. Yeah. They're all mm-hmm. getting prepared and they're cleaning and they're putting things in their proper place and, and you can tell that they've been looking forward to this day. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I think that's one of the the underlying currents of the whole movie mm-hmm. is there's this this tension and this Mm -hmm. resentment and I will never be like you Mm -hmm. or you will never understand us. Mm -hmm. But really at at the heart of it all, they all do care for each other. And and there is a lot of adoration there. No, no pun intended. (laughs) (laughs) Which by the way, for uh, this is something that we have kind of discussed off mic before, but like the three of us at this table 
to one degree or another, were raised in Catholic environments. Yeah, yeah. Um, which uh, I feel like that was... I have never set foot inside of a Catholic school of any kind, so like mm. I have no firsthand knowledge of that. But yeah, I, I thought that you're uh, you're exactly right with the way that it shows that the nuns love what they do, even yeah. though they, you know, getting exasperated has got to be just part of being an adult dealing with teenagers, <laughs> yeah, right? So right. and they've got to be used to it, but they clearly love what they do. And you're right, that scene was exceptional at just kind of like characterizing all of them together as like. This is what brings these people together. This is what they're passionate about. Yeah. And I do, I think some of the most, the best rot scenes were the scenes just with the nuns interacting with each other. Like the scene where um, one of the nuns comes in to Mother Superior. I think it was after she was about to expel the girls. Was it Ligori who comes in? I think think, so. And she was kind of like, they have a whole heart to heart of like, why didn't you expel them? And she was like, well, you know, I just, I... I saw the way that they, you know, they interacted with their families and I saw the the things that they are dealing with outside of this school and I can, I get it. I see why they need to stay and I see why they act the way they act. She's protective of them. Yeah, she's protective. And she sees, she clearly sees herself in Mary, which is, I I think, a huge kind of theme in this. But um, yeah, just the way the nuns interact with each other, it's always colored by the girls, by the, Mm -hmm. the students, even when they're not physically present but it's like they're all co-parenting like these, yes, these 12 nuns absolutely. are co-parenting yeah. all and these teenage so girls to watch yeah 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 i like that so before we get too deep down that road um let's let's talk a little bit about like the um you know the people that are involved because like i don't know with Haley mills i mean just for context for listeners like people might be familiar with Haley mills actually i don't know how many people are really even familiar with Haley mills anymore which like kind of yeah. is is crazy to think about but um you know for those not familiar huge disney star um in like musketeer era yeah disney yeah stars. like in her early years and this was her first, as kelly as you mentioned this was her first post disney role and much like uh people of uh the ilk of selena gomez and vanessa vanessa hudgens she opted for a bit of a bad girl persona <laughs> yeah. in her first role after leaving disney although being 1966 catholic school that involves mostly smoking and playing very harmless pranks yes. um and that opening scene is the very first thing she does on camera is mm-hmm. smoke a cigarette yeah right yeah. Which the older woman on the train is like, a child your age. And I was like, really? I thought back then it was just like, yeah, we all smoke. It's fine. <laughs> but then she has that great retort where she says, Madam, I'm not a child. I'm a midget with bad habits. Yes. Oh, she is fabulous in this whole movie. Is, okay, is not to get mm-hmm. into the yeah. specific, but is that a mid-Atlantic accent or is she actually British? I honestly don't know. Okay. I have no oh, gosh. idea. I looked this up and I think she has... British parentage, maybe. Oh, okay. One or both of her parents was British, but she, I think she mostly grew up in the Because this was the era of the Mid-Atlantic, or was this that was, a little bit earlier? That would have been earlier. That would have been, like, you know, the Catherine Hepburn era, oh, okay, you know, right. of, like, the 30s and 40s was kind of when that peaked. Uh-huh. So if it is a Mid-Atlantic accent... It's uh, affected. It's... Which well, is always affected. It's very us, ostentatious but... because I, I don't know that that would... Because that had completely kind of fallen out of favor, except for, like, if Cary Grant did another movie. But it and, works for It her. works, it's yeah. Oh, yeah. Because like, yeah. she... Uh, especially yeah. in this movie where she is playing, like, somebody who clearly comes from, like, an upper-crust family. So, yeah. like, it would make sense. Um, and she's clearly... She's one of those girls, even, like, watching it now, you know, years and decades mm-hmm. later, it's like, you see how she is the type of girl that you just would want to be. She's classy. She's got mm-hmm. this beautiful voice. She's lovely to look mm-hmm. at. Like, mm-hmm. and you're just, she's set up as that girl. That's just like, 
Oh, she, of course. She's she's perfect. I have, like, a huge crush on her in this movie. I, how can you not? She's <laughs> flawless. She plays the role very much like a young Catherine Hepburn. Like, mm. high class Head, and rebellious. Headstrong. Yeah, yeah, high class yes. and rebellious at the same time. Right. Um, which is a tough balancing act that not a lot of people can pull off. Haley Mills does it very, very, very well in this mm-hmm. movie. Um, but uh, And then, of course, like she butts heads with um, the mother superior of the school, played by Rosalind Russell, who... Um, is best known for uh, His Girl Friday, probably, mm. uh, the Howard Hawks movie, where she plays a character kind of similar to this Haley Mills character, so I wonder mm-hmm. if they kind of collaborated any on, on, on that. The fast, one-liner talking mm-hmm. uh, kind of a thing. Um, and also Gypsy, which we'll, right. we can talk about that later on because there's another connection to there. Yes, um, and Anti-Mame, which yes, like, and I think was right. one of the ones right. that I was like, oh, I yeah, know Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> Rosalind Russell, devout Catholic in real life. Um, oh, I Kelly, know. I don't know if you had heard about this before, or, or, or Kari, from any of your research, but I found out that um, Rosalind Russell convinced Columbia to make the premiere of this movie a fundraiser for a Catholic school where her friend was the Mother Superior. No, oh, I didn't fantastic. know that. I like oh, it. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then we talked a little bit earlier about Ida Lupino, who, um, more commonly known as an actor, but... Um, uh, kind of, uh, not kind of, definitely a like groundbreaking director. If if only for the fact that she was one of the few women to direct and produce major studio films from like the fifties forward. Mm-hmm. Um, she was the first woman recognized to have directed a film noir with the Hitchhiker in nineteen fifty three. Directed about a dozen movies or so. This was her last movie to direct. Um, well, way to go out with a bang. Absolutely. Yeah. Plus, she was the only person, male or female, to direct, to both direct and star in episodes of the original Twilight Zone. Yes, I remember reading oh. that. Um, I knew her as an actor from On Dangerous Ground, which is a very good movie where she co-stars with Robert Ryan. You can look that up on your own. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, the like this film in particular just really kind of demonstrated like a very masterful hand at directing I thought she's damn good very 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 good yeah um but yeah as we talked about this is kind of an all-women production um Blanche Hanalis the writer um best known for writing a lot of Little House on the Prairie episodes oh look at that yeah and they they took this from a novel yeah so the screenwriter was different from the novelist right yes okay Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah, the novel from what I saw, my, again, my kind of cursory, uh, research was, it was based on the author's own experiences in a all girl Catholic school in the thirties. Okay. Yeah. Anyhow, but yeah, um, that's a great transition to like kind of start talking about a little bit more about like the character interactions and things like that. Yeah. And one thing that you mentioned earlier was, um, the way the smash cut from all it needs is a dragon to bam, mother superior, superior, the dragon, which a very clear, I mean, anybody who knows anything about seeing a movie is like, oh, she's the dragon. I feel like that's kind of an unfair characterization. She's very much that that classic stern but fair mentor figure. Mm-hmm. But that's the whole point, right? And, right. and they do it humorously. Like and you, you grow into that understanding. Yeah. Sorry, I didn't mean to No, you're that, absolutely right. Yeah, I think you're set up like to to feel that way about her, that she is the obstacle to these girls, you know, just living their lives, but... But you talk about an effective first scene, though, between yeah. your, your principal characters, right? Because mm-hmm. the reason we first see Mother Superior is because um, Mary and Rachel have given 
the nun who picks them up false names. Instead right. of saying their names are Rachel Devery and Mary Clancy, they right. say that their names are Fleur de Lis <laughs> and Kim Novak. And so the first scene where we see Mother Superior is her confronting mm-hmm. Haley Mills and uh, what was her name? June something, I think. Oh, gosh. I can, the, I, I, the girl who played Rachel. But yeah. it's Mother Superior confronting them. And it's such an uh, such a brilliant economical use of power dynamics Mm -hmm. in that scene because uh, the two other girls that were with them who Mm -hmm. kind of were like, you know, under Mary's influence and and went along with it, they fess up right away. And in the middle of them fessing up and apologizing to Mother Superior, Haley Mills does that (coughs) and Mother Uh Superior does one of those side eyes at her. Mm -hmm. And uh, and you understand right then and there in an instant, Mother Superior knows this girl's game. Yes. She knows the influence that she's exerting over the other students. You two may go to your dormitory. Dismissed. I'm going to have a little talk with Miss DeLee and Miss Novak. It was, and you know it's about to go down. Like yeah. It's going to be the two of them butting heads the entire movie. And, and the best part, in my opinion, about that scene was that, you know, on top of everything that you just said, the attitude that Rosalind Russell ex- exudes mm-hmm. is like, I have seen all of this before. You don't <laughs> impress me. And I know exactly the kind of reaction you're trying to get out of me. And I'm not going to give you the satisfaction, young lady. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and then there's that great scene where she go, Mother Superior goes, same scene, actually. Mm-hmm. Mother Superior goes to sit down in her chair, mm-hmm. and Rachel and Mary go to sit down in their chairs across from her, and they start to sit down before she does, and then she just does that one death glare. Mm-hmm. And they, they pause with their yes. butts halfway down into the chair yeah. right. until <laughs> Mother covered. Superior finishes sitting down. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, oh, it's brilliant. Really is. Yeah. Um, one thing that struck me was that this movie kind of does an interesting bait and switch in terms of like character relationships and dynamics which like first of all surprisingly little is made of like the relationship between Mary and her cousin mm-hmm. um, it's kind of brought up <laughs> drop dead it, yeah it's brought up very tangentially <laughs> yeah. um, Marvel Anne also such a such Marvel a name Anne. okay such a name um, but yeah it does an interesting bait and switch I feel like because it's set up at the very beginning as though this movie is going to be kind of about the evolution of the relationship between Mary and Rachel when really it's about the evolution of, of the relationship between Mary and, and Mother, Mother Superior. Superior right? yeah. Which in the end affects Mary's relationship with Rachel. Exactly. Sure, yeah. yeah. Because she makes her choice and spoiler alert her choice is Mother Superior. Right. Yeah. I thought it was interesting just the whole dynamics between all of the girls I think I feel like what you would expect, what I expected at least, and you guys let me know if this is, you know, just me. If but your opinion is wrong. If, oh. uh, we won't say that. <laughs> but um, so I would have expected the relationship between Rachel and Mary, one of them would have been kind of the good girl and the other one would have corrupted her. But from the very beginning, they're both kind of on board with this whole thing. Like, you know, Rachel is clearly the follower, but she is not a reluctant follower no. at all. She is happy <laughs> to be smoking in the bathroom, to change her name, to do all of that. And even the other girls, they pay them 35 cents to go see Mother Superior's <laughs> bedroom. Like, they, they're not coming up with these ideas. They're not, definitely not sticking yeah. around to get in trouble for them. But they are happy to go along. And I thought yes. that was interesting because it was never like, oh, Mary's the bad girl and she's come, come. Yeah. Like, corrupting everyone. It's like, no, everyone's down to get in trouble. She's just the actual ring- ringleader. Yeah, she's, she's the, the one catalyst. with the ideas. Yeah. I feel like the more common trope 
like the more common trope these days would be to have the Rachel character be much more reluctant and be like, oh, I don't know. We're going right. to get in trouble. Yeah, but absolutely. in this movie, she's just like, yeah, I did like, she seems like she is 100% down for everything. She just didn't think of it herself. Right. She's like, yeah, that sounds like a great idea. Let's do it. And even, you know, that I totally would have expected. But even more than that, none of the characters, no one shows any reluctance to go along no. with Mary's idea. <laughs> Charlotte faints, but like, <laughs> it makes it clear that they paid them to come see Mother Superior's room. They are completely like, you know, there's very little resistance from the other girls to Mary's ideas. Like, and you, and you just, know what I think is brilliant is... I'll let you talk about this, but the way Mother Superior differentiates between how she punishes uh-huh. Mary and Rachel and what she understands about their power dynamic. Right. Like, she totally... I You never see the other girls get punished, which I thought was funny. You know, like, they were there. They She knew they were there. But, yeah, Rachel and... So we see Rachel cleaning pots a lot. Yeah. And Mary less so. But it I do feel like what we're saying about Mother Superior, like she knows the game. You always see her she dismisses the girls that were not you know, we're not the ringleaders and then it's either Mary and Rachel or just Mary. And there's no she doesn't, you know, ever she's never confused about what exactly happened. And she you can tell from Mother Superior, like the way she deals with it that she does she gets Mary's game Probably more intimately than you would think, which she makes clear eventually. But, like, she is Mary. She's She gets it. And she knows how to deal with Mary mm-hmm. in a different way than Rachel. Because there's that one time they get in trouble, I think for the bubbles and the tea. Mm-hmm. And Mother Superior makes Rachel do pots. But she makes Mary go to the chapel and do the Stations mm-hmm. of the Cross. Right. Like, twice a day? or Yeah, it's twice a day. Yeah. It's twice a day, yeah. And twice a day! The full Stations of the Cross! Twice a day. But it's yeah. like, insane. Yeah, but it's like she, that's, how many is that? 24 stations of the cross? Yeah, I think? There's like a that, lot. Yeah. There's yeah. a lot. It's it's everything from the, whatever. I'm not going to go into it. <laughs> all the stuff I learned in Catholic just school. Ima- but... Just imagine watching the entire Passion of the Christ twice in one day, every day for two weeks. Yeah. But, but it's brilliant that she she sees that, you know, washing pots has no bearing on Mary. Right. Mary and will, yeah. she, so instead she makes her go do this punishment that involves faith and Mm -hmm. you know like real interaction with Mm -hmm. religion in the chapel um which eventually i like i I think maybe is part of the reason it it plants the seed for mary to make the eventual choice yes she does (laughs) yeah it's 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 funny because that you mentioned that because that was something i I thought that it like all of the clues are there but for some reason i never put it together until it actually happened like until the moment where they're right before graduation and Mother Superior is talking about how, like, as always, we announce that the whoever is going to join our order. Oh, when, as soon as she said that, I was like, oh, well, Mary's got to be one of them, no doubt. But up until that point, I never put it together. But um, this leads us into another subject that I was very interested to talk to you guys about with um, all uh, like the trail of breadcrumbs that leads us to that point. Because yeah. you're right. Like, there is that assignment to, like, spend all this time in the chapel for, like, whatever it is, like, a week, two weeks, or however long. But all these other little episodes amongst a very episodic storyline where it focuses... In retrospect, I realized that it focused on Mary seeing these moments of, like, superhumanity among the different nuns that she's... And especially Mother Superior. Especially Mother Superior, yes. 
Um, in particular, the moments that I'm thinking of are like the Christmas at the uh, retirement home, yeah. mm-hmm. um, the encounter by the pond with the Holocaust story, yeah. and the funeral. Those mm-hmm. three scenes in particular yes. are so good at like all around, but also so functional in Mary's eventual path toward the decision to become a nun herself. And there's a very, very small one before all of that. Mm -hmm. uh, Very beginning when Mary first arrives there her first year when Mother Superior's walking outside in the courtyard Mm -hmm. and the leaves are coming down around her and she's kind of opening her arms up and you can tell she's just kind of reveling in the Mm -hmm. glory of God's creation and Mary is watching all this through the window Mm -hmm. and they have a moment where they make eye contact and Mother Superior is sort of intrigued I guess or maybe Mm -hmm. she kind of sees something in Mary but Mary is very resentful and looks away Mm -hmm. but the moment she looks away from the window she turns to the other girls in the room with her and says it's snowing everyone and she's all excited about Mm -hmm. it and all the other girls groan Mm -hmm. so Uh even in that scene you see Mother Superior and Mary are united in their appreciation of the, the weather changing yeah. and mm-hmm. the miracle of snow coming. Yeah. None of the other girls could ca- could care. That's yeah. very interesting. I didn't catch that. That was very, yeah. that's very I interesting. I honestly didn't realize it till tonight when mm-hmm. I was making dinner. It's funny how that thought. works. Like when you know you're yeah. going to be put on the spot in this yeah. kind of situation. Like, oh man, I didn't pick up on but, yeah. but, we, but we should talk about the other moments too because yeah. I think those yeah. moments yeah. Are, are much stronger. And mm-hmm. there's the moment that just popped in my head, I think as I was thinking about it today, when we're in that Christmas party with the like I guess it's the nursing home yeah and Mary storms off saying like I she sees I'm gonna die young and rich yeah she sees this woman like crying to Mother Superior about how her family didn't pick her up for Christmas Mm -hmm. and it's this very heart-wrenching scene very tender yeah and Mary comes up in this like huff to Mother Superior and says like I'm gonna I hope I don't die young and very rich or something like that and you I thinking about it after the fact I was like oh like she kind of does in a way. Like becoming ah. a nun, she kind of stops her development. You know, mm-hmm. like she's never going to get married. She's she, never going to truly get like old in the way that you you get old when you hit these certain checkpoints in your life. Like she is stopping her development at the age that she becomes a nun effectively. You yeah. know, it's kind saying? of dying it's, to herself. Right. Like bit, she, yeah. yeah. There are certain things she will never experience past this point because she has chosen a completely different path to remove herself from those things. So And that is her last time being rich because yeah. nuns yeah. take a vow of poverty. So it's, she right. does it's very much yeah. very much it's the so end of her old life. It's very much mm-hmm. yeah. her old life coming to an end and her new life beginning. And her so, life yeah, participating right. in the world in a yep. in a sense. Like she will yeah. never grow old in that sense in that same way because now she is a nun and mm-hmm. she is committed to the church and the church is going to take care of yeah. her in the same way for the rest of her life mm-hmm. also not to be flippant but that scene was one of the purplest scenes i have ever witnessed in my entire life purplest yeah. yes very every purple. single person who resided in that nursing home was wearing a fully head-to-toe purple outfit the drapes were purple everything in do, that scene so was do you purple. think that was intentional imdb says that um it's because of the because of Purple, the color of Advent. Oh, oh of course. Okay. Yeah. Makes, that yeah, that makes sense. I don't know. I don't know why. Hashtag just Catholic that a big deal. Yeah, yeah the, th- the three kings get and all that as well. Mm-hmm. Only Catholic kids will get this. Um, <laughs> Buzzfeed article yeah. in the works. Um, but yeah, uh, you you mentioned the uh, the other scenes as as well. I mean, like the, really, like the you know the dialogues because that's that was more of like. That was definitely a scene with Mary kind of witnessing Mother Superior's um, interaction with somebody who needed 
Um, yeah. Watch your face. The, the moment that, you know, what we're talking mm-hmm. about with the, these uh, moments of humanity with Mother Superior, what was the most poignant one for you guys? Because for me, it was when Sister Liguori died. That oh, was right. very strong. I, in a very, like, it's very tight with um, the one where Mary and Mother Superior just kind of come across each other by happenstance by the pond. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Mother Superior kind of like loses her composure a little bit. Because uh-huh. um, in the scene with the funeral, like after the funeral, she loses her composure, but when she thinks she's alone. Right. But in the scene where she's talking to Mary, about, I can't remember which sister she was talking about, the one with the German accent, Ursula. 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 Mm-hmm. Yeah. And making fun of her German accent. And she and Mother Superior was telling the story about how she like hid Jews in her basement during the Holocaust. Mm. And she got car- she that was the only time you really see her get like carried away mm-hmm. in that way. Yeah. Um when she's like she can't stop herself until finally she catches herself and she realizes what like she's doing and she's like, You don't understand. Yeah. And then leaves. Um I thought that, as a character moment, I thought that was that barely edged out the moment with like the like right after the funeral. Yeah. Although they're both extremely because, strong. Well, that one by the pond mm-hmm. where she talks about the sister Ursula and the Holocaust is the first real cracks in the facade of Mother Superior the Dragon, and that's yes. where, that's where you really start to see her humanity mm-hmm. as a viewer and as Mary. Yes. Yeah. Definitely. One of the scenes for me was. Um, one of the Christmas time scenes. I don't remember which year of school it was, but um, Mother Superior is, or all the nuns are out singing in the chapel, mm-hmm. and Mary has snuck in and is like just listening to them sing, and Mother Superior sees her, but just kind of lets her stay. Yeah. That I, and maybe I'm just saying this because like those are the ones we've mentioned already are two of the biggest moments. Mm-hmm. So, but this one, I don't know. I, I thought it was another moment of like they really do understand each other yes. in a very deep way even though they are kind of on opposite sides of kind of the system you know mother superior sees who mary is and mary clearly is intrigued by something that's going on with the nuns mm-hmm. so and mother superior sweet. understands that mary has to come to it from her own perspective right. of internalizing it privately mm-hmm. and working her way through it yeah mhm um Sorry, you sounded like you were about to say something. Oh, no, no. I was going to change gears a little bit, but if yes. you have more to say, go on. No, um, I was also about to change gears a little bit as well. <laughs> oh, my God. Let's change So many gears, gears to All change. these gears. Like, um, go ahead. Okay, so we this did remind me a little bit, uh, just in our conversation, of our previous conversation about She's the Man mm-hmm. and um, the me seeing, you know, female viewers seeing that movie and being like, oh, so this is what dudes are like when they interact without the presence of right. girls. What did you think, Kyle, specifically, about girls interacting without the presence of men? I thought it was, I mean, I thought that it was interesting and I had to assume that it was about as honest as you could expect it to be, given what we have discussed earlier on in this episode, where you've got a woman directing, a woman writing, and all, like, predominantly female actors, yeah. exclusively female stars. Right. Um, like, you had... I. <laughs> I saw this description often online when I was, like, looking into, like, people's reviews of this movie, the, the phrase estrogen charged, and I was like, oh, I mean... I don't like that. Really? Because well, I honestly think it's pretty universal, you know? I, that's well, what I was well, going to yeah, ask. I, what I, about this did you see that's like, oh, that's different than 
the way I interact with girls, women. Right. Did any of it seem foreign? Nothing yeah. major. I mean, nothing. I mean, we've, uh, Cara, it's you a and safe I, space. You can say no. whatever you want. Also, I feel like we backed you into a corner with that question. No, no, no. But... Like, sincerely, like, we've kind of talked about before off and on mic about how, like, when I was growing up, uh, for most of my life I've had, like, most of my friends have been female. Mm-hmm. So it's like, I feel like a lot of that has been kind of long since demystified for me personally. Mm-hmm. Um, I still found it interesting, if only because I was like, okay, so this is kind of like... Cara, you described Goodfellas a few weeks ago as like kind of an anthropomor- anthropomorphic, <laughs> anthropological study yes. of like oh. a, of like a culture, and in a weird way, I kind of found like this to be like an anthropological time capsule of like you know not only a collective of girls and women interacting with like no men around, but that situation fifty plus years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, in that sense, nothing really seemed like surprising to me. I didn't find it necessarily. Uh, eye-opening about anything in particular, I found it much more naturalistic than, for example, She's the Man, which seemed very kind of forced in its depiction of, like, male-to-male relationships. Don't Don't disagree. disagree. (laughs) Well, I don't know how to talk about that. How would you know that? How would you, have you ever yeah, gone undercover no, no, as a boy saying, in an all boys char- in a charter school dorm? Oh, I wish. The stories I would have. I guess so. Anyway. Um, Carl. But, um. Be my name. But yeah, that was, uh, I thought it was. Be like Tyler. <laughs> I want like a punk ass white boy name. Yeah. No, it's a bad. I'd have to think harder about what my white boy name would be, but we'll, we'll get back to that. Um, mine would be but Theodore. Theodore? Oh. That's a good one. No, hell no. Would we call you Teddy? for short or no. just always Theodore? You would call me Door. Door. <laughs> call oh, me Door. Okie dokie. Okay, Door. I actually oh, knew a Door in college and some of our listeners might have known him as well. Um, was it short for Theodore? No. It was short for I don't Dorothy? know. Was I have no idea. Was it short for Dorothan? Was it short for adorable? Because that's oh, what This is going to be the next 15 minutes of this it. episode, yeah, yeah, by yeah, the way. Yeah. All right, let's, let's skip this um, shit. <laughs> <laughs> Moving uh, on. Kelly is drunk. Um, anyway. Yeah, I am almost finished my first beer, so. Oh, oh, oh shoot. My Watch friends are listening to this. You know what that means. Oh, uh, shoot. Time to her call my is one. <laughs> call her Get her out of here. Callers, um, the lines are open. Questions home. for drunk Kelly. Uh, ask um, me anything. Yeah, right? Um, Anyhow, yeah, so a couple of quick things before we move on, just like as individual scenes and, and moments that stuck out. So I saw Gypsy Rose Lee's name in the opening credits. I didn't really have anywhere else to drop this in, so I just wanted to throw this in now. Go on. Saw her name in the opening credits, and I was like, who the hell is she going to play in this movie about uh, Catholic school? So yeah, Gypsy Rose Lee in the, in the opening titles. Which, which, I don't know. Do you, How much do you guys know about Gypsy Rose Lee, like the person? Is that the lady who played I, the, the dancing teacher? Yes. I do, oh, I do not know anything I, about okay, her. Okay, I saw her name. Is it related to Gypsy Rose, like from Gypsy? She is. That is who that movie and play were based upon. Oh, she is okay. a I never timeless, like a bio world, yeah, world-famous burlesque dancer, sure. stripper, actress oh. and author Gypsy Rose Lee and I I knew that because I know a lot about just like old shit that nobody yeah. cares about old but I saw her stripper I saw her na- yeah I saw her name in the credits and I was like who is she going to play playing the dance coach which I thought was a hilarious bit of like stunt casting that people in 1966 probably would have recognized sure. and and Kylie Bear and Kylie Bear because I should have been born in like 1945 or something uh, anyway yes, anyway not only that, Rosalind Russell played Gypsy Rose Lee in the movie right, Gypsy. Right. So the fact that they actually shared a scene together, I thought was kind of hilarious. Oh, that, yeah, that was pretty great. Context, people. It really Absolutely. has. Absolutely. It's, it's it like really a bonus. It's a bonus. Um, that and also the, um, 
like, they were kind of throwaway jokes, but I still thought they were funny, kind of like the running gag about, like, boob jokes involving Rachel were really funny. Yeah, yeah they, they were, like, funny. tastefully executed and really, really funny. At the very beginning, when they meet the um, phys ed teacher, yeah. and she's like, okay, now puff out your chest and breathe in the air and whatever. And she goes to Rachel, no, puff out your chest. And she's like, it won't go out anymore. And Throw <laughs> out your chest and breathe in the fresh air. Out, out with your chest. It's as out as it'll go. Oh, well, to the bus girls on the double. I was like, oh, yep, exactly. Like that, we need at least one to kick off this movie. There's gotta be a boob joke. That and the bra shopping scene, which I thought might've been the funniest part of the movie overall. What the heck was happening? Did, were they all Mass in a pandemonium. Store? Yeah, they were, yeah. What, yeah. Okay. They, they were, were in a store. They were out in the outside world. With yeah. nuns. And with they were just like, the one nun trying on bruns. Mortified to like take these girls out buying. Wait, actually, that's a good example of, you know how you said that at the beginning, Mother Superior introduces all the nuns. Yeah. and you get just a little tidbit about yes. each of them, but it mm -hmm. pays off. That one totally paid off because when she introduces the nun that takes them bra shopping, mm -hmm. the whole joke is like, oh, this nun is already, she's young and she's already overburdened and right. overwhelmed right. and her <laughs> superior just keeps adding more and more shit yes. for her to do. And then, of course, she ends up being the nun that takes them bra shopping, and uh -huh. she practically faints in yes. the store. Yeah. And she's yeah. all overwhelmed. She's like, oh! She just cannot handle it. What did she call them? Like, restrictors or some compressors or oh, something like that? Oh, gosh, I can't remember. Binders? No, I don't yeah, remember. she called them something. It was like binders, something with a B, because then she was like, brassiers. Yeah, and... yeah, which is an equally archaic term these days. So and that was she buys, funny. like... A hundred of the like well, white Hanes bras. Why didn't you just do that? that was the one part. nun go that pick was... up a variety pack and come back <laughs> instead me... of taking these girls on a field trip just to, like brief her. To me, that was like the punchline to a very long and funny joke of just like that whole scene because like they have that brilliant part where like Haley Mills walks out with like the very ornate bustier. She's uh -huh. like Jane Mansfield, and then Rachel walks out and she's like. Rock Hudson. That part, <laughs> yeah. that part made me laugh a lot. I thought that was really, really funny. Oh, yeah. Man. Just a fun scene all around. Yeah. Um, one moment I had a kind of question mm -hmm. about. Um, so, uh, Sister Ligori, right, is the one who dies towards the end. Why? What did that, what purpose did that serve in the plot? If nothing else, definitely the scene where like Mary sees Mother Superior reacting after mm -hmm. she thinks she's alone in the chapel with the, the, with the coffin. Mm -hmm. Which think, was very strong. I think also just it reinforces that notion of you will not be young forever mm. and the choices you make in this life matter. And you know, which if, if you think about it, Sister Ligori is the one who taught math and she always did those things about um, the, she, horse racing the horse races and, mm -hmm. and, you know, the betting and, you know, put your number on, on your favorite horse to win. And there is sort of, I think if you're going to tackle a movie about a growing up in this God-centered place, you sort of have to throw some mortality in there, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. um, that's a big part of what it means to be a nun or a priest or any religious person is you do confront mortality on behalf of lay people mm -hmm. who are not ordained mm -hmm. and maybe are more reluctant to, to encounter mortality head on. Um, but I think that that scene really grounds Mary in the seriousness of her life mm -hmm. and the choices that she makes in her life. Mm -hmm. And the fact that 
Sister Liguori is kind of young. She's probably, yeah. what, in her 50s? Right. I mean, they open that, like, when they say a, a sister has died, everyone thinks it's the, the very old, old lady. Old which, right. Yeah. But which, it's not. Which I think is very intentional, because if it was that old lady, it wouldn't matter. But because it was Mother Superior's assistant, mm-hmm. and right. it was the one nun that Mary unequivocally, unequivocally liked right. from the beginning. Right. And it, it it's another kind of bait-and-switch moment, because from the very first night in school, early in the movie, they set up, and I cannot remember her name, but the very, very old nun who's fallen asleep, they kind of set her up to be, like... Like, the fact that she cannot be woken up at the dinner kind of sets it up as, like, foreshadowing. Yeah, I thought she was dead then. (laughs) And I was like... She's clearly taking a nap. I was like, oh, no. No, no, she did. She (laughs) did. Um, But, like, yeah. First night there. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Um, But at any rate, yeah, I I thought that, like, that was very much foreshadowing that she was going to die. And so, like, every time you saw her... Because half of the scenes that she was in... She was asleep At and least. might as well have been dead. Right. Um, and, and then the one scene she's awake is when she, she sees, spots the smoke. She sees the smoke from oh, Mary and God, Rachel smoking a cigarette, so and yep. she and she yeah. like sets off the fire alarm. So that is like kind of set up and you know amplified throughout the movie. But then when you find out there has been a death, and one of the girls says, "Oh, is it sister whoever whose name I can't remember." And she's like, no, it's Sister Liguori. It's a gut punch to the girls, but also to the audience because she has not been set up to have any kind of ill health. It's been this other very old nun Mm -hmm. um, where you've been kind of primed to expect that she's going to die. So even when you hear there's been a death, even you're like, it was probably her. And Sister Mm -hmm. Liguori is the most accessible nun for the girls and for the audience. The very first thing that Mary says about her is, she's fun, I like her, Mm -hmm. or something Mm -hmm. like that. And she is the most you know, has a lot of humanity and she's very approachable and she's fun and she's silly and she, you know, is the most outwardly loving mm-hmm. towards the girls. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, and then after after Mother Superior comes in and tells the girls that and they say, is it Sister Agnes or whatever her name was? Mm-hmm. And she says, no, it was Sister Liguori. She snaps the door shut and one of the girls is like, I think it might even be Rachel, says, how can she be so unfeeling about this Mm -hmm. which then sets you up for the scene where Mary sees her crying privately in the chapel uh, over Sister Liguori's coffin yes yes um yeah and that sort of leads like this is a question that I had that I wanted to kind of let you guys take the lead on because obviously I have no perspective on this whatsoever the idea like kind of expanding on something we touched on a minute ago with the idea of female friendship would you call this kind of a timeless depiction? Yeah. Okay. I think so. I, uh, I, I recognized a lot of, like, friend, you know, real-life friendships that I have in this. Because there's nothing, there's nothing over the top. There's no really, truly dramatic moments. There's some differences. I mean, just specifically at the end, there's a pretty big difference mm-hmm. in, you know, Mary is joining, joining the Order and Rachel is going off. We don't even know what Rachel's going to do. But, right. you know, clearly they have... I don't think she have, knows either. Yeah. Clearly they have different paths and so that's like you know that that happens but yeah i thought this was a true depiction of just like what it is like to be very close to someone you know there's there was nothing super big and like oh man like you know none of those moments that are just like wow super melodramatic Mm -hmm. it's just what it's like to have a close friend little slice of life like you said yeah all right so my big question Mm -hmm. what did you guys think of mary's choice to become a sister because i remember watching that i must have been like a Mm preteen the first time i saw this but i remember watching that and it and it hit me 
like out of out of nowhere when when it happened in the movie and i remember physically being like holy cow like i didn't see it coming mm-hmm. it was a big deal you know to yeah. for her to do that i think they do a really good job of setting it up so that we trust mary's choices yeah we trust mary to know herself and to not choose something because either someone pressured her which rachel kind of goes down that like oh you made her do this and mother superior is like no you know mary like you no one makes mary do anything but they really did throughout the movie they have set up mary to be very you trust her intuition you trust her knowledge of herself and of the world and so you know if this is the thing she chose to do maybe i don't think we fully understand it as the audience i wasn't like i there was no point leading up to it until they said we're gonna announce who joined the order and i was like oh it's definitely gonna be mary I thought, because they say we're, two girls have joined the order, I was like, it's going to be Mary and Rachel, and they're going to be stuck with them forever. <laughs> but, it, you know, at least Mary's going to be one of them, or I, I felt like I yeah, did. Same. And you don't, there's no point up until that moment that I saw this as the as the logical conclusion of the whole movie. But I think we are set up to trust her choices, even if we don't understand them. She really is one of those characters who has so much agency yeah in that nothing happens to her Mm -hmm. she makes every decision that drives the plot and the movie forward and you have to love that about a character and it's so hard to do to have a character like that so i mean you think yeah you're absolutely right we totally trust her choices yeah if you took her out of this movie nothing would have happened right no nothing nothing at all it yeah so yeah kyle what do you think oh i mean i i thought that it was like I thought they set up Mary to the point where literally anything she would have chosen to do, you would have accepted for the reasons that we, that you guys just discussed, that nobody makes her do anything. She calls the shots in her own life in a way that, like, in a way that I feel like Haley Mills portrayed with so much more confidence than I feel like most teenagers do anything with their Mm -hmm. life. Um, 14, 18, whatever. And so... You know, it was such a, like, strong performance that really sold the idea that Mary's going to do what she wants to do. And so if this is the decision that she's made, she is certain about Mm -hmm. it. Um, So I felt like, you know, it made sense. And in retrospect, after it happened, I was like, of course that's the direction this was going to go. Like, that that is the story that was being hidden behind a very, um, you know, stock school uh, students versus headmaster, headmistress kind Mm -hmm. of situation. You know, rebellious teenager in school story. Um, And I thought that, like, the fact that I did not see it coming, I was impressed by. I thought that that was just solid um, uh, execution of Mm -hmm. the whole story. Because it's one of those conclusions, you reach it and it surprises you, Mm -hmm. but then once it settles, you think, this was inevitable. They couldn't have done it any other way. Right. And as you said at the beginning of the podcast, when you look back, it is clear Mm -hmm. that that's the direction it's moving the whole time. But you you can't connect the dots until the end. Ida Lupino, man. MVP. Yeah. Yeah. Freaking genius. Um, Now we're getting very, very close to the end. Uh, In fact, we're slightly over time right now but that's yeah, okay we can uh, go for hours yeah yeah we're fine um so kelly you're you've seen ladybird we have not mm-hmm. um i have I, I, no frame of reference for that movie other than what i've seen in the trailers but even from that information it seems like there are strong parallels to this movie would is that 
accurate. I think so. I mean, I don't think anything of Lady in Lady Bird is derivative of this film. Right. But you can see this film being like a grandmother or some mm-hmm. sort of predecessor to Lady Bird because in Lady Bird you've got Catholic school, mm-hmm. relationship with her best friend, and Lady Bird's the more headstrong one. She's the Mary, and mm-hmm. her best friend, I think her name's Julie, is the is the Rachel. And you've got a nun character that Lady Bird sort of butts heads with a little bit, but ultimately they respect each other. It's just that it's, you know, it doesn't come out to play as much. It's not the focus of Lady Bird, okay. mm-hmm. whereas it's the focus of yeah. The Trouble with Angels. But just that emphasis on dynamics between women, adolescent girl who's headstrong, trying to figure out her way in the world. Um and even the fact that, you know, Lady Bird is a teenage girl who changes her name to be more interesting. <laughs> That's and the, true, yeah. and the opening scene of The Trouble with Angels is Mary Clancy trying to go by the name Kim Novak because she thinks it's sexier. Mm-hmm. Um, um, yeah, so I, I wouldn't say that there are super strong parallels, but they're in the same family, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. There's connections there, for sure. Awesome. Mm-hmm. One thing, um, did you guys know that there, I think there's a sequel to this. There's did two? Did you ever see it? At least, okay, what? more than one, okay. Neither starring Haley Mills, though. Oh, then okay. I'm not interested. I don't know. Rosalind yeah. Russell, Mary Weeks, who's, Mary Wicks, I guess, who's um, Sister Clarissa. Um, any, yeah, there a lot huh. of crossover from the nuns in that, but oh, I didn't know okay. if you had any affinity for the sequels as well or just I gotta say I don't original. think anything in this universe works without Haley Mills right I, Makes sense. I don't think anyone else what what you're saying about the performance she delivered mm. that that made us trust in mm-hmm. Mary's choices I don't think any other actress at that age could have pulled that off and I feel like the story is perfectly contained in one movie without seeing the sequels maybe they're great and maybe there's something there to explore but I I do feel like I, I didn't need more of the story once it was over I was like that was perfect that was yeah exactly as much as I needed. Agreed. So if they were to remake this now, mm. this exact story, <laughs> who would you say from today's world could play Mary, Rachel, and Mother Superior? What a K-have-you-seen question. That you Indeed, you've been listening. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's a great question. Because you need an actress who's, who at least could play like like a 15... What is she, probably 15 to 18 yeah. in this movie? Yeah. I so mean, someone's I, you know, let's younger. say she can be in her 20s. Yeah. The, the way many 20-year-old actresses. I could see Chloe Moretz doing something like this. Yeah. Actually, that's a perfect choice. I don't know if a... Yeah. Because for reference, Haley Mills is like 20 when she made this movie. Okay. Um, God, she's gorgeous. I can't... Every time we say her name, I just picture her face and she's so pretty. I'm in love with her. She's, she's great. beautiful. She's yeah. just... Really, just like pure charm. She's yes, so good. Yes, absolutely. Um, yeah, Chloe Grace Moritz, I think that you're absolutely right. I feel like she's she has definitely the skills and ability to pull off a role very much like this. Right. I mean, obviously, Saoirse Ronan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think she'd have to give an even more headstrong um, uh, performance, though, than Lady than Bird. Lady Bird? Like, oh, she's, okay. she's very headstrong, but also self-involved in mm-hmm. Lady Bird. And... It's not that Mary Clancy is super self-involved, right? She's mm-hmm. really just headstrong mm-hmm. and hell-bent on yeah. Yeah. messing things up at her school. Um, I'm trying to think of any other actors. She seems like but... she's just bored, you know? Like, yeah. she's she's mixing things up because she gets bored. Yeah, easily. she kind of is flailing a little bit yeah. in Lady Bird. But, uh, so Saoirse, Chloe Grace Moretz, 
trying to think of, like maybe a younger Emma Stone could have yeah. pulled okay. this Absolutely. off. I could yeah. see. Um, I was trying to think, like Selena Gomez. I don't know if she'd be mm-hmm. strong enough. Um, who are our other like awesome? Oh, you know who could pull it off? Who? Um, the girl from Thirteen Reasons Why. What's her name? Oh, okay. Um, yeah, Catherine seen... something. Okay. I, I didn't she, see that one, but I know who you're talking about. I think about. she could have pulled it off. Okay, then what about Mother Superior? That one I'm very interested in. That I think that is... I mean, the um, Mary character is obviously a huge deal, but Mother Superior has to be such a... She's an aged-up Mary. She has to be this, like, very, you know, of the system, of God, of the Catholic Church, but yet she clearly, at her core, is Mary. Right. I... This is a deep cut. I feel oh. like like... Renee Russo, if she ever did acting again, might not be bad in that role. I'm not feeling that. I haven't up. seen her in anything in ages. She hasn't done anything in ages. Last thing she was in was Nightcrawler, and before that, it was like eight years since she'd done anything. Um, oh, okay. She's in, uh, yeah, Nightcrawler. Okay, that's what you just said. But uh, yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, okay, it's weird because, like, so the closest analog in terms of character to Mother Superior, I would think, would be, like, from the Harry Potter franchise, because she kind of fills a role, a dual like Dumbledore McGonagall yeah. character. Yeah. If you combine those bit. two characters into one person, that's very much like the characterization of the Mother Superior. Yeah, a little bit. I could even see, speaking of the Harry Potter universe, um, Emma Thompson doing something like this. Mm. Oh, yeah. Mm. Um, those are all British. I was trying, like different. Helen Mirren, Meryl Streep. I don't know. I don't know that any of them quite Oh, fit. Helen Mirren would actually be a perfect choice, I feel Think like. So? Yeah. I don't know. I feel like she might be a little too severe. Maybe. Well, I also that's oh sorry I was gonna say like Helen Mirren would be another case where like context is key because she did some super racy stuff back in the seventies and eighties and so knowing her like history in acting could really inform the way you saw her characterization as a strict nun and make it all kind of add up if you had this like rebellious teenage character choosing to become a nun at the end. Right. Well, yeah, and I think she maybe, not to be all like Hollywood and ageist and stuff, but like needs to be a little bit younger. We need to see that Mother Superior, she's very young for a Mother Superior. Like I think of Mother Superior as like a much older- The the penguin in the Blues Brothers? Yeah, and basically. she's what in this film like late fifties, maybe if that, maybe even. if that. She seems so like she's still kind of in the prime of life. Yeah, you know she. You can tell she is like, you know, she's not a nun who's like lived her life and then became a nun. Yeah. She is living her youth basically yeah. in her full adulthood mm-hmm. as a nun. What would you think of like a slightly older Kate Winslet? Oh, Kate Winslet yeah, could, could be work. interesting. Could be interesting. Maybe a like, um, like a Jessica Chastain or something. Mm. Oh yeah, something yeah, that's like good. That. Yeah, and oh yeah, Viola Davis. Ooh. I think oh, I can yeah. see that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that would be very right? interesting. Oh, yeah. that would be because doing good. that soft, severe thing. Like we've yeah. seen Viola Davis do severe. Right. We've seen her do pretty soft, but like yeah, having that. Because we never really see, like, she is, Mother Superior is never cruel. She's never really unfeeling. She's always fairly empathetic. Stern, but fair. (laughs) That is, like, the, that's the three-word description of her entire being. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Very McGonagall-ish. So, yeah. Um, right, well, and, that was fun. Fun yeah. little thought exercise. Sure. Yeah. Um, and I, it's funny because I felt like the relationship between, um, only because I have seen a lot of movies like this, but, like, 
the relationship between Mother Superior and uh, Mary reminded me a lot of, I don't think either one of you have ever seen The Great Escape, necessarily, but, no. like, Mary is very much the Steve McQueen character, where just a troublemaker, you know, constantly pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing and constantly getting punished for it, and the Mother Superior is very much like the commandant of the POW camp in that movie. Mm. Anyway... I, 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 right in. Do you agree? People who have seen this movie? Yes. yes. So dad? Support Kyle. Tweet us. Um, Mr. Kyle's dad? What do you think? <laughs> but, um... Uh, yes, go on. No, but yeah, that's that kind of stern but fair characterization, like, where you got, like, the stern mentor with, like, the young, like, the group of, like, kids or teenagers or whatever. I feel like that is a more common trope in, like, more male-centric movies yeah, like with, the, like, scouts, sports teams, boot camp, whatever. Right. Mm-hmm. That, uh, Gran Torino one with Clint Eastwood. Yes. And the kids next. Yeah, exactly. there should be a whole genre called like the old miser with a heart of gold versus the young rebel with a heart that just wants to latch on to something. <laughs> I yeah. mean, even up, like to, yeah. to yeah. go something my speed. Yes, you're up. right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, anything else from uh, Kelly? Anything that we didn't touch on that you feel really strongly? About? No, I'm just so excited that you guys loved it. I loved it. I just so think glad. that it's it's one of those films you should watch because it just. It doesn't try too hard. There's no fancy gimmicks. Right. It's mm-hmm. just a good film. It's yeah. just the great use of comedy, great use of shots, mm-hmm. great use of music and editing, and the performances are just impeccable mm-hmm. and yeah. so strong. Yeah. It's, and it, so much a product of just, like, it's so clear to me personally, I don't know how you guys feel about this, that, like, apart from the really great performances from the leads... Ida Lupino, as the director, cannot get enough credit because it's like, the way everything unfolds in this film is so uh, perfectly engineered to be as effective as possible. Yeah. Um, And it clearly comes from years of experience and honing her craft as a director and also fully understanding what makes a great performance from an actor. Right. Mm -hmm. And just perfect mastery of all of those moving parts and it works out so wonderfully in this movie and knowing that this was the last movie that she directed makes me very happy that she like this is a very strong note to end mm-hmm. a career on yeah, yeah. absolutely yeah um so yeah I, I mean final thoughts on the film would you recommend it is usually kind of what we go for i think we're in unanimous agreement yes we would recommend this movie um, yeah, it's, it's universal themes. It's yes. coming of age. It's, you know, a very s- watered down version of good versus evil in a sense, right? <laughs> like us versus them. Mm-hmm. But finding that common heart, common ground, I think the humor is universal and timeless. Yes, mm-hmm. agreed. The performances are timeless. They hold up after 52 years. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. Haley Mills at that age could knock any young actress in today's world, like, off their off their game if she was, you know, acting opposite them. I Only 60s she's... kids will understand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I will say, I and this is a whole other conversation we can dive into, I do think there are, like, did you guys see the movie Boyhood? Yeah. No. What? What? Really? That's such a Kyle movie to have seen. Yeah, absolutely. So I hear. I just right. didn't see it. You're not a Later fan? Okay. It's I on am, the list. Um, it, there are people who appreciate movies like that and people who don't. I absolutely am. I I love movies like that where you're just like, oh my God, this person found a way 
to emulate real life. Yeah. Some people don't appreciate that. So I would say if you don't appreciate something like that, this may just not be the movie for you. Yeah. If you do, I think you'll enjoy this movie and there definitely is something. Mm-hmm. Right. Slower something speed, not super urgent. Yeah. Not super dramatic. The best no word that you used moments. was delightful. It's just yeah. utterly delightful. Yeah. Like, it is. Yeah. I, I would say, <laughs> yeah, if you are listening to this, watch this movie. Especially if you are Catholic. You will appreciate things about this movie that possibly non-Catholics would not necessarily pick up on. If you are a girl. If you are a girl. I didn't want to say that, but I'm glad you did because I feel like that's relevant. Yeah, don't um, tell girls what to do, Kyle. I God. didn't. God, he's always doing that. Ugh. All right. Um, if you are a fan of Haley Mills and you weren't aware that she did anything post-Disney and pre-guest starring on Saved by the Bell. This is no Pollyanna. This, yeah. <laughs> I, I still find it hilarious because I kept thinking about how, like, this is her first post-Disney movie and this is her version of, like, I'm going to do something not Disney. I'm going to do something. I'm going to take a bad girl role and this yeah. is her bad girl role. She becomes a nun at the end <laughs> yeah. of the day. She literally, yeah. she's so bad that she has to I become a nun at the end. Um, but listen, folks, in conclusion, there is no trouble with angels. It's all perfect. <laughs> Look at you. The trouble oh, with boy. angels she is having the worst pots. Yeah. <laughs> One more beer. Uh, um, no, yeah, no, seriously. I have to drive this girl home. She's going to be a mess. <laughs> um, but yeah, we're overtime, and that's very okay with me. So before we wrap up real quick, Kelly, any plugs you want to leave us with? Anything yes, that you want to let us know about? What do you mean? Like any of your have work? Have you written like a to... novel that maybe possibly people can read oh, if they're we curious? Oh, love your opinions. Oh, you guys are such good friends. Style. Yeah, if you if you look on my Twitter, there's a link to my novel. So it's just at Kelly, K-E-L-O-I, Quindlin, Q-U-I-N-D-L-E-N. Boom. Yes, check her out. She's got some great work out there. Yeah. She just signed a copy of the book that I bought. Oh, her book wow. Hey, yeah. Look at you. I know. Do you books. have a copy no, of I Kelly's don't. book? I think I, asked her, Not uh, a I think I asked Kelly for a copy of her book at a party like six months ago. and I Wow. Said, oh, I it. paid for my copy because I'm a good friend. <laughs> I pay her. Yeah. You should. In, oh. in drinks and podcast guest appearances. But, yes. Um, that's fine. That's acceptable currency. Excellent. Glad we're on the same page. All right, terrific. Thank you so much, Kelly. Now, before we go, one last thing we got to get out of the way. What is our next pick for next week, Kari? Okay, my turn. Um, so, basically, four very famous friends go on a musical comedy adventure. Oh, man. Yeah. Kay, have you seen Help featuring the Beatles? Oh. Yeah. Shockingly, no, I have not Kyle seen does not that. care for the Beatles, and we're going to see if I can change his mind. Who's in that movie? The Beatles. <laughs> <laughs> Basically. I'm sure other people, too. Let's see. Um, a four Leo McKern, uh, Eleanor Braun. Girl, I was just setting you up for the joke. Don't <laughs> oh, worry about it. Okay, well, <laughs> yeah, so we're going to watch the Beatles. Fantastic. Help. We'll see what you think. Excellent. I want to make sure, I'm going to make a note, make sure I don't accidentally watch The Help. Very different movie. Mm. Yes. Mm. We will have some very interesting conversations <laughs> if you do. But, you know, also watch that movie if you haven't seen it. It's, yeah, it's good. Of course. Of course. Um, terrific. I'm very excited to see it. I feel like that is a Are you? major... I, it's a major cultural blind spot that I have is not seeing any Beatles movies ever in my Ooh, life. Okay. Yep. So, yeah. I am actually legitimately excited to see it. And uh, hope you all have enjoyed this discussion. And we will see you next week. Thanks, Kelly. Thanks, guys. This is awesome. Yeah. See ya. Bye.